Showbiz. Hey, welcome to uh, the uh, Catholic AdLib studio. Again, we like to call it a studio. It's nothing fancy, believe me. Um, really, really excited. I've been excited about this uh, particular person since last March when I first became aware of him. I didn't meet him last March, um, but we we're really honored and blessed to have Billy Reed with us. Hi, Billy. Hi, John. Thanks for thanks, being here. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be... Trust me, everybody. This is going to be really cool. You're gonna, you're, you got to stay with this. You'll find out. Okay. Um, so we're going to start by uh, covering Billy's background real quick, and then what he's doing today, and then we're going to get into something very, very particular, but also fundamental. And I think it's going to. It blew me away. Uh, it might do the same to you. So, anyway, Billy, tell us about you and where you come from, family, etc. Your background. For sure. So, um, my parents met at Ohio State, um, and they were both more or less from Ohio. Um, they, they were married um, in May of 2000 and moved down to Tennessee, which is where I was born. Oh. And then we lived in Tennessee for a year. My dad sold power tools. Okay. So, we lived in Tennessee for a year. We lived in South Carolina for a year. And then I think 2002 or so, uh, we moved back up here. Mm-hmm. And so I lived in Concord, Ohio, right down the road. Was baptized at St. Gabe's. Oh, you um, were. Yeah, a long time ago. I don't remember who did it. Yeah. But, um, and so then, uh, as my parents started having more kids, we started going to St. Mary's in Chardon, um, and eventually we made our way down to uh, St. Helens in Newberry. But I'm the the oldest of nine kids, eight boys, one girl. Um, so. Cool. That was very fun. Um, almost all of us were homeschooled. I was homeschooled K through 12. Um, I did some college classes at Kent State mm-hmm. for my senior year. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, grew up um, pretty pretty standard. Like, Catholic family goes to church every Sunday, sits in the front row. <laughs> all the boys comb their hair. And right. uh, all the old ladies loved us and said we should all be priests and <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's uh but it was I had a pretty good simple simple life like my parents love me they're still together um it's awesome they 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 got a lot more into their faith I'd say it was probably around like 2007 or 8 and the way that you can tell <laughs> is because of uh the kids like names and middle names so am I Oh that's so, interesting. Yeah, so I'm William Joseph Reed, so I'm named after my great-grandpa. And then my brother Luke Allen, he's named after my mom's dad. And then Jacob Mark, named after my dad's dad. Uh, Jacob, okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so then Grace Elizabeth, named after, I think it was St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Yeah. Sure, the and first so then, American saint. Yeah. And so that was, like, where it was picking up, and then, like, there it took off. So Michael <laughs> Fulton, Fulton Sheen. Really? Yeah, yeah. I got to meet him. <laughs> um, Patrick Walter... So Patrick is um, my mom's confirmation saint is Saint Patrick, which is a funny story because she 
Um, she went through RCIA. She was a convert. And she, and my, so my dad was her sponsor. And they, like, the story goes that they forgot that you needed a confirmation saint until the day of. Okay. And so they asked the person behind them in line, and they had picked St. Patrick. So my mom was like, we'll take that one. <laughs> so my brother Patrick. That's awesome. Patrick Walter. He's named after my other great-grandpa. And then um, John Beckett after Tom, St. Thomas, Thomas Beckett. Beckett. Yeah. And then um, Matthew Colby and James Augustine. So you get all these saint names. Wow, you can, you can see that's a heck of a lineup. It is, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's a powerhouse. We could, like an we could play. Team. <laughs> we could play a couple of sports. <laughs> that's that's phenomenal. So yeah, yeah. But um, my parents always just really um, tried to um, help me live a lifestyle of of prayer, which I think um, definitely helped me to get to the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up. Um, I guess I did. I did soccer at St. Helens. Um, I got more into basketball in high school. Uh, I played at a, a Protestant school out in Troy called Agape, mm-hmm. and that was a phenomenal experience. Getting to make a lot of um, Protestant friends because mm-hmm. they're they're really great people and they they, sure. uh, they know the Bible really well. And yes, they do. They were very very respectful of me and I of them, and those yeah. have continued to be some of my very good friends. Great. Um, yeah, but um, so I guess I can just go into like. Well, let me ask you. You already spilled the beans a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yes, yes. Seminary. Yes. You're so in the seminary in at, at uh, in Cleveland. I am. So, if you don't mind, tell us about that. Tell us about the call. For sure. Um, so I guess like just present moment, I'm a first theologian at St. Mary's Seminary, Diocese of Cleveland. I came. Uh, I went into Borromeo Seminary in the fall of 2019. And describe right everybody what Borromeo means. And so Borromeo is like the, the college seminary where you spend four years um, getting an undergraduate degree in philosophy. Um, and then you would move on to five years of uh, major seminary where mm-hmm. you're learning about theology. So you're 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 in the first year of major yes. theology. So this Christmas I'll be halfway done. I'll be four and a half years of nine years. Oh, yeah, fantastic. So how's it going? And surprises, challenges. Give us some of that if you would. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. I think um, it it's going good. Um, I think my my heart is being formed. That's that's a uh, it's just it's been a constant. Um, consistent I've been consistently growing over these past four years um, and I think a lot of the growth you don't see until you look back um, mm-hmm. there were definitely a lot of challenges like my first year in seminary was um, covid so I, I entered in the fall of 2019 I had a regular semester and then uh, in the March of 2020 it went right into covid so we got sent home but mm-hmm. I guess I should go back to how I got there in the first place. Okay, please. So, um, so like I said earlier, um, like we would always sit in front of church. Me and my brother served Mass a lot. Uh, we were always surrounded um, by, by the faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was blessed with very good friends who were also into their faith. Um, we would go to Families in Christ Jesus Youth Group, um, which met 
in Wycliffe at the Center for Pastoral Leadership, which is where the seminary is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, so it was a charismatic youth group, which helped me um, as, so I was homeschooled and I don't, I wouldn't put myself in the, in the homeschool stereotype. However, I was like, uh, I was more introverted and going to a charismatic youth group really helped me to become a lot more comfortable with like being open and um, expressive with my faith. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it gave me the opportunity to um, share my faith in a group of people, a chance to give talks and, eventually like to help lead retreats. Um, right. I think that was, that was huge in my discernment of priesthood too, because it helped me to see like, I do like being with people, serving people, um, and being, being a support, uh, like a, someone who can support others. Okay. So, um, there was that. And another big part was a good priest that I knew. So Father Jay McPhillips, he's the mm-hmm. pastor at St. Helens in Newbury. Um, and he's just always been a uh, very, very disciplined priest, um, very faithful to his call. and Inspirational. Yes, right. very inspirational. Never afraid to speak the truth, mm-hmm. but someone who's genuinely joyful. Yes. Um, somebody who like I want yes. to be like. Um, yes. And so he was, he was always a big inspiration. And uh, there's this, so this uh, this next part I want to add could take up a lot of this time, but we'll see how okay. we'll see That's how okay. it rolls. So okay. um, I'm not sure if you if you know the name Bobby McWilliams. He I do. he was I do. Uh, he was the seminarian intern at my parish in from 2014 to 2015. So that would have been my eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. So while I was going through confirmation, um, he was there helping out. And he actually um, was probably the person who inspired me most to go to seminary. Interesting. Which is, uh, that's a crazy story. It is a crazy um, story. But um, I think... He was, I would call him joyful. Absolutely. Yeah, very yes. charismatic leader. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. He was, he definitely... Uh, I, I, uh, perceived him as like someone who cared deeply about me. And, um, he, he led a life that I thought I I wanted to, uh, um, be like. So as, as he went through the seminary and was ordained, that was pretty big for me. Cause it was like, well, like, this is like, yeah, this kinda is somebody who's living at kind of close to young home. and like, yeah, they seem to be really, uh, right. Joyful. And so I think um, maybe we could get into that more later, but um, the one thing that that really shows me is how how Jesus works through everything um, because that ended up um, being quite a quite a difficult experience yes. as more things came out. Yes. But um, I, I have to thank God and acknowledge the grace that um, he gave me through that too. True. To see that it was, uh, I mean, it was Christ who was calling me. It wasn't uh, a man. Right. But Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, he, he had encouraged me a lot. Um, a lot of people in the youth group encouraged me to consider going to seminary. I actually ran into Father McCandless 
in the parking lot at St. Helens after. So there was a men's league that played at St. Helens on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. And one day, whoever was cleaning the gym had put the, they waxed they waxed the the gym floor and Uh-oh. something went wrong. Uh-oh. Like, it was like an ice <laughs> was, skating. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were gonna say so that. So we played for five <laughs> minutes. And it's all these old dudes, and they're like, well, I'm going to pull my hamstring. And yeah. so they're like, well, I guess we'll call it tonight. Go get a beer. Yeah, so uh, I was, we packed it up early, and I was kind of disappointed. But I ran into Father McCandless in the parking lot, and I was like, hey, been meaning to ask you about the seminary. So we met up. And he at the time? He was the vocation director for That's Diocese right. of Cleveland. Okay, good. Yeah. So, and I knew this at the time. So um, n- another cool sign. So we met up a couple times. I discussed like um, what uh, what I thought about the priesthood, um, things I was excited about with it, things I was scared about. Um, and what I really appreciated was that he didn't. I thought he was going to give me like a sales pitch, like he was going to be like an army recruiter. <laughs> like, do you want to be a good person and serve your yeah, country? Right. Go to the army. Yeah, sign here. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like that. He was like, "Well, what do you like?" Um, like, what are, like, the desires of your heart? And, like, what do you, mm. where do you want to, like, find your fulfillment? Great, and we talked through all that. Desires of your heart. Yeah. And we talked through it because, like, I wanted to have a family. I grew up around a big family, and that was, like, what I knew. And um, that was definitely a very strong, mm-hmm. it, and it is a very strong desire. Like, having a family is a beautiful thing. And, sure. Um, but that uh, that helped me a lot. And so then the next and the the most important thing in all of this um, was time spent in front of the Eucharist, um, and I think that was those moments um, were the ones that solidified my decision to go to the seminary. Um, so let me insert a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think most of our viewers would would understand, but whether they understand or people that that don't quite understand what you said there delve into that a little bit what does that mean i mean and and what did you gain from that mm-hmm. so um obviously the the eucharist um the the body blood soul and divinity of jesus christ here with us on earth um it's uh it's ultimately god who is um who has given us our vocation and is calling us. So uh, I guess who better to go to to talk about it than him. And so what I would do a lot of times, um, like after basketball practice on the way back home, I'd just like stop at the the chapel and just sit there for a little bit. By the way, which chapel was it? So this was the chapel at St. Helens in Newberry. Okay. Um, it's okay. at the back of the church. Yeah. And so uh, I would go and sit. I honestly, I think... Those times where it was just like maybe 20, 30 minutes, maybe a little more. Um, but I would just sit in silence. A lot of times there wasn't anybody else there. Um, and I just uh, got the opportunity to be very conversational um, with Jesus and to get pretty comfortable um, just being like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about priesthood. I don't know. Like, do you want me to do that? Because... Also, just like to get married and have a nice yeah. job, and yeah. um, so there was a lot of like voicing of my feelings, and 
Right. But we were there together, and it was um, like we were just we were just together, and there was a piece about that. I think some people, young men, might think if you if you go to Eucharistic adoration, what you're saying is you want me to be a priest. Is that is that mm-hmm. what the deal is? What's your response to that? Jesus wants to be <clears throat> with you. He doesn't care what you do for him other than just being there um, and being together with him. And he knows he knows what you're longing for. He knows um, what will what will make you happy. And he's he's not going to to force you to do anything. Um, he just right. wants he right. just wants to know where you're at. Yeah. Um, so this might be a really good point, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll kind of fast forward to when we met. So I'm going to set the table for our our listeners, our viewers, for if sure. you don't mind. Okay? Yeah. I'll try to make this quick. Although I could talk about this for about three <laughs> hours. Um, so uh, every year, and we've been to a few, every year uh, in the in the Cleveland Diocese, uh, they hold what's called the Bishop's Brunch. Um, and it's, a, uh, it's, it's kind of a celebration as well as a fundraiser to support the seminary. And it's a pretty big deal. It's... Uh, it's it's very professional. It's you know it's a kind of a, not a black tie affair, but uh, it's 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 so well organized. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of donations. Uh, you know you can uh, for a, a table of ten, you can like buy a table and then invite your friends. And we've done that. And there's just a lot of uh, the spirit is there for sure. It's just a great thing. So we learned when we first started going that aside from the bishop being there, star of the show in a way, mm-hmm. but the seminarians are there. And every year, I think two or three, I guess mostly, generally three, they have three seminarians who speak to the audience. And I know when I first saw these young guys get up to speak, I'm thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> they're really young and they're going to be really nervous. And, I mean, most of them blew me away. They were confident they they stayed within themselves they weren't trying to impress anybody i i i just came away very impressed until this gentleman <laughs> I, I i i'm not that's not a negative um so last march we go to the bishop's brunch and it's the usual and i don't know if you were first second or third it may have been second i don't recall um but maybe I'll stop there and ask you if you can recall, or if you need me to prime the pump a little bit, I will. Oh, I, I think... Um, if you, you recall? I do. Um, <coughs> take, it, take it from there. Yeah. So this, uh, I remember, so Father Eric Garris, who is the current vocations director for the Diocese of Cleveland, had approached me probably back in February and asked me if I would like to speak at the Bishop's Brunch um, about the Eucharist. Um, and I definitely thought, like, wow, like, speaking in front of it, it was a thousand people this year. Yeah. Um, I was like, that sounds pretty intense. But I I like public speaking. I think that's um, one of the gifts that I've been given. And um, I love the Eucharist. So I was like, all right, this is this is something that it's I can do. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, they just asked me to 
to share what my experience with the Eucharist has been um, and how it's affected my discernment and my vocation. So I just kind of, I think within like the, the weeks before, I just started to think about, well, like where has the Eucharist been in my life and what is the role that it has played? Um, and the summer before, summer of 2022, uh, I just became a lot closer with the Eucharist for a lot of different reasons. But um, I started to just look at my life over the, I mean, my whole life, and think about, okay, well, where has the, the Eucharist been? And he, he had been, Jesus had been with me through it all. Um, so I just kind of set out to, to give people um, an idea of, uh, how that how that played out. So I talked about like um, being in high school, um, spending time in front of the Eucharist in silence, spending time in front of the Eucharist with like my community. And uh, I realized that that was where my identity was coming from. Um, and that he that was that was where I was most hearing the call to priesthood. And then I also in the talk tried to reflect on, um, like, uh, I desire to be loved. Um, I don't know if I said it in the talk or not, but, like, um, like I want to be the most important person in someone else's life. Um, and I've come to realize over my lifetime that no one else loves me as much as Jesus does. And so the big, the big punchline of, of the talk um, so one day I was, I was in the chapel. I'm not sure I would have called it a punchline, but that's, <laughs> o- that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I was in the, I was in the chapel one day and I was, I was having a, a tough day and I, I remember vividly, I was sitting in the front row. I look at the tabernacle and I was like, so what do you do all day? Goes, let, uh, let me pause. Uh huh. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm I'm sitting in the audience, and I heard that, and I thought, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> what, in effect, Billy is asking God, what do you do all day? Yeah. Like, okay, that was that was <laughs> unique. Go ahead. Yeah, because I mean, so yeah, I was just like, what do you what do you do all day? You just sit in the tabernacle, like, um, and. I wasn't really expecting a, a response. It was kind of sarcastic. Can or, I ask? Mm-hmm. Was this verbal or from your heart? It was from the heart. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting a, a response, but as soon as I say these words, I was like, "So what do you what do you do all day?" I clearly heard, um, like in in my heart, like I wait for you. I wait for you. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I was just like, whoa. And I, like, wrote it down. Um, do you still have that piece of paper? I do. It's in a, it's not this notebook, but it's, it's, a, it's a notebook that I, that I have back at Would school. Would you do me a favor and just take a picture and send it to me, please? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Um, and so, honestly, like, in the moment, like, it, w- it was definitely very, very powerful, but um, it didn't, like, knock me off my 
feet until I kind of went back and thought about it. And I thought to myself, like, no one, I've, I've, I've uh, looked in this world and in other people um, for someone who uh, would care about me in that way. And no one has ever, in effect, said to me in such a, an intimately and meaningful way, like, I wait for you. Um, yeah. No one has has provided that like unfailing um, love and acceptance, um, despite all the times that um, I don't make Jesus my top priority. And that's that's fulfilling. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, it's it's a quiet and like it's like a stillness and like a simplicity. Um, it's not like this dramatic, um, sure, love, but it's so like pure and um, that just that line as I as I uh, came away from it. Um, I mean, and as I've as I've shared it with people, like I think uh, I think we're just not used to hearing Jesus talk to us that way. Um, well, I, I want to insert something, if I may. So I want to go back to the Bishop's Brunch when I heard that. And it, it, it really struck me, and I knew <clears throat> I have a tendency to, when I hear people speak that move me, which frankly is not that often, <laughs> I have a, I, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat critical sure, in, yeah. in my mind of whether it's a sermon or a presentation, and it's not a good trait. <clears throat> but... What you folks don't know is at this at this bishop's brunch, I'm expecting a nervous young man to stutter through, you know, five to ten minutes of whatever, and and also this is a kind of a side note. We talked about this when when Billy came here today. He had hair down to here, <laughs> which I was like, "Yo, what are we doing here?" But fine, I mean, yeah, yeah. I accept him. I accept him. <laughs> But, but the point I want to make, if I may, is when I, when I heard that exchange, what do you do all day? The answer is phenomenal, but I'm going to set that aside for just a moment. It's the question that I focused on. Because Jesus wants us to be like children and come to him. That question is a question of a five-year-old. I know I'm not offending you. No, no. That's... But I, how many of us would really <clears throat> be that childish, if you will, to ask Jesus that kind of a question? And I think it's a great example of a, a lot of things, but one is we can have that kind of a dialogue with him. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have to come to him with mathematical equations for him to solve, you know, difficult mm-hmm. things. It can be that fundamental and from that, he can give you the best answer ever. And it was the best answer it ever. It was, yeah. I mean, I don't know what other answer he would have given. Like, it, it, I don't think it would have been, well, I'm worried about, you know, this and that. No, he's not. So mm-hmm. I was just like a little kid, like, <laughs> I got I to gotta meet him. And I, I wrote to him, I wrote to Billy right away and said, hey, we got to get together. So yeah. anyway. I think like in the in the spirit of that question, um something over like uh 
2022 that, uh, that changed my relationship with the Eucharist was I just became a lot more honest with Jesus. Um, and a great deal of that was brought about by some painful situations in my life. And so it started as, um, like where I really started to break through the ice and like dig a little deeper was like admitting to God and expressing that I was like angry. It's like, God, like, why are you doing this? Like, what's going on? Um, and like, I can't believe that, um, you would like that this happen. And, um, but it wasn't, um, how do, how do I want to say this? Like, it wasn't, uh, I, d- I wasn't trying to be like, all right, God, I, like, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling very hopeful, so I didn't want to pretend hopeful. Like, I wanted to approach Jesus as I was. Um, and, like, he, if he, this is going to work, like, this is what, it, this is how I'm feeling. Right. And I think that, <coughs> I think me. he wants to, he wants to hear that, that genuineness. And I'm not in that place anymore, thankfully. But getting to that, kind of like um like rock bottom i guess in like a in a spiritual sense like this is what it took for me to be honest um right. and being able to express that um and i think that's just what allowed me um to have the freedom to just start being a lot more intimate with jesus in our in our conversations yeah. and to be able to just say whatever cuz isn't that how you talk to your friend <laughs> right um for people listening who who have thought about sitting before the Eucharist but haven't made the time a first step what would your recommendation be do what you can um i would i would uh i would challenge you there probably is time um but all, all, all that matters is that you are present, and that you're intentional. So, five minutes with the love of your life is better than a text, or like, a, <laughs> than like, a, I'm thinking about you. I'll see you tomorrow. Right. Like, right. It's, um, yes. There's there's sacrifices that need to be made, but. If you if you can make the time, there there it really is no replacement for quality time um, with our Lord, and I think you'll find that it's it's very rewarding. Um, like I said, like there is no substitute for quality time, and consistency too is a big thing. Like even if it is only only five minutes that you get to spend. Um, just just a little quiet time with Jesus. If you get to do that um, a couple of days a week, then you'll find that Jesus has now been accompanying you through your life for that entire period mm-hmm. of time. Would you say patience is a virtue there too? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's like it's like any like anything in life, working out or um, right. like a plant growing, <clears throat> like. Uh, you do a little bit every day, and you don't really notice um, much change until 
the time has passed and and you realize that like there's this relationship forming um so do what you can like some some people are are called to to give up their entire life and be a monk and <laughs> pray pray sure. all day um but i jesus just wants to be just a a part of your your little life and he but he wants to be like intimately involved in it um so yeah just uh just don't compartmentalize like don't don't make it yeah. like church time and my time like try to try to invite him into all aspects of it right and if i could put a plug in for the monks and the people that you know i i know i see people that are at church like all the time or in a chapel all the time that and i say they must live here <laughs> but i and i don't um but i really think if not for them i mean there's there's millions of people praying i mean you can see them in a chapel in a church these people are faithful i think if not for them our world our world would spin out of control I think they are like the glue holding us this whole thing together. Amen. Yeah, we have challenges, but, and we we often talk about, you know, our world is crazy. Yeah, it is, but we're maintaining by the grace of those people that are praying, I think, kind of behind the scenes. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Making sacrifices and. Yep, yep. Yeah. So this has been, I, I hope everybody can appreciate half as much as I did. Uh, the conversation that Billy had with Jesus in the Eucharist and uh, the simple dialogue, the simple question, and the phenomenal answer. It was mm-hmm. uh, some a part of me wants to say it's the only answer. Just I, I'm here for you. You know, I I, I, I wait for you. Um, yeah. That just blew my mind. It still does. Yeah. So I'm glad this is going to get out, and I'm going to encourage you if you're watching. Send this on to other people, not for my benefit, mm-hmm. not for Billy's benefit. It's because of the Eucharist. So mm-hmm. please do that. Billy, thank you. Thank you so much. This has mm-hmm. been awesome. Yeah. I made a friend. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Okay, great. Thank you all. We'll see you soon. God bless.